made for a mission. How many of y'all know y'all are all made for a mission? I hope y'all all know y'all are made for a mission. You're not made just to come sit in the church on Sunday mornings and that's it. That's right. Amen. Amen. So that's all. Don't worry. So you're made for a mission. God has called you to do something. I ask if you don't know what it is, seek after God to see what he has placed on you. He will give you a mission if you'll go after him and ask him. He'll place it on your heart, okay? So we're looking at that. So today we're looking at what is, what is the mission. So we're going to be looking at an example Jesus did, okay? We're going to be looking at that. You know, if you're already a Christian, I hope you're already asking that question. What is my mission? And so maybe this is the first time you've walked into this church. I don't know. There's a lot of new faces here for me, okay? I'll just be honest with you. Some of y'all may have been going here a long time. There's a lot of new faces here for me. So, but maybe this is your first time. Maybe you're this, you know, somebody said, hey, come check out our church. They're a little crazy. You know, it's made up of a lot of messed up people, right? Right, because we all are. And that's good. That's okay. Because we all need a little bit of Jesus. Okay, so maybe this is your first time. You're just trying to figure it out. Is this for me or not? Well, I'm going to tell you it is. It's for you if you'll go after it and you'll give God everything, okay? It's for you if you'll go out. So maybe you're checking it out. But be part because he has a mission for you. Maybe, maybe this is new to you and, and you're like, oh, no. I've only walked into church on Sunday. I sit down, I get up, and I roll out of here, and I'm done. No, there's so much more. Okay, there's so much more than just doing that, okay? So let me ask you something. Have you ever taken a foreign language class? Anybody in here taking a foreign language class? I have, right? And then, so then you want to get really impressive, and you want to show somebody what you've learned, right? And then you just butcher it, <laughs> right? Well, you know what? Sometimes your first walk in doing what God's called you to do, you might butcher it a few times, okay? But that's okay. That's okay. Keep butchering it until you get it right. Okay? Because if God's called you to do it, it's going to be awesome. Okay? It's going to be awesome. But that's okay. So sometimes when you're doing stuff, sharing Jesus with somebody else can be like you trying to speak a new language. Okay? So in the motorcycle world, we have something we call the gas pump ministry. I do more ministry and do talking about Jesus at gas pumps on my motorcycle than anywhere else. Okay, because the, the, the motorcycle is just a tool. It's something cool. They're not impressed with me or what I look like, but they'll come look at the motorcycle. Okay, and it starts a conversation. But it took a while to get used to that and being able to share the gospel with people. Okay, because sometimes it's not normal to walk up to a stranger and be like, hey, God's laid something on my heart to pray for you or to speak this to you. Sometimes you're like, oh, not today, Lord. Not today, please not today. I know that person's not. You, are you sure, Lord? And then you start arguing with Lord, right? And be honest, you know, there's opportunities. And I've missed a couple because what? I've argued with the Lord on, mm -mm. and then what happens? You feel horrible, okay? You feel horrible because you missed that. But, you know, how easy to talk to somebody if you like sports, you like hunting, you like motorcycles, whatever your hobby is. It's, it's easy to talk about those things, right, with other people. Well, Jesus ought to be your hobby, too. He ought to be your number one hobby. You ought to be able to talk and share your story, your story with people. Okay? I tell people all the time, you may never quote Scripture to somebody, especially strangers. You may not just go up and slap them with the Bible. 
but you may go up and share your story, your testimony with them a little bit, right? That shouldn't be hard for us to do because we all come from a history. We all have a past. You know, I wasn't raised in church. So we all have some type of past that we come from, okay? So while we're doing this, I hope you can relate to this. And if you want to, you can get ready and turn your Bibles, app, whatever you have. We're going to be in Mark 5 and Luke 8, okay? We're going to be in both of those. So starting with Mark, uh, Mark 5, verse 1 and 2. They went across the lake to the region of the, it's a big long word, Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. You ever met anybody with an impure spirit? I have. I mean, a real impure spirit. First time I went on a missions trip. When I seen it, I was like, holy smokes, I heard stories about this, and here we are. Okay? So, that's, I mean, I picture this being the same when I was on a missions trip. So they went across the Sea of Galilee, and that's hugely sufficient, sufficient okay? Because they didn't do that. There were no non-Jews over there across over there, okay? It traced all the way back to the Old Testament, okay? When the Israelites did not do their job in the Promised Land, okay? So they didn't go over there. They didn't go over there, okay? They were the descendants of the people that they had let stay there, okay? So think about that. Young Jewish boys did not travel to the other side of the lake, okay? They didn't go across the railroad tracks. I'm sure some of y'all live in those communities. Yeah, I see some heads shaking. They didn't go across the railroad tracks, okay, in today's terms. Okay, you didn't travel over there. So Mark 5, 3 and 5 says, This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So you could say this is a troubled man. He's messed up. He's messed up. Now I want to think about it. You might not have been that messed up before you come to see Jesus. But we all have a past. We all have a past. And somebody come and shared the gospel with us. Okay? Just because someone has rejected Jesus doesn't mean they will do it this time or that time or the next time you talk to them. Think about that. How many times did it take you to be serious? And I mean, I mean I'm serious, not you said the prayer because somebody else said the prayer. You said it for real, for real, okay? Okay, for real, for real. It's kind of like um, people ask me all the time, should I get rebaptized? I've been baptized before. I'm like, okay. When were you baptized? Well, when I was a baby. Okay, so did you make the choice to get baptized? No. I said, but it might not hurt if you want to get baptized. If you feel it in your heart to get baptized, then you get baptized. That's the kind of, that's the kind of commitment I'm talking about when you come to Jesus. Not just the one where because you were at church camp or because you come up here at the front and somebody said, hey, repeat a prayer after me, and you repeated it. I'm talking about when it stuck in your heart, when it penetrated your heart. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So it takes the average person... Almost 17 times before they have a true encounter with God. Let that sink in. And I have to say, I was doing some thinking about that, and that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, if we're, I mean you're through a lifetime of until you actually got serious, right? 
Because a lot of us got saved on Sundays, right? A lot of Sundays. And we become sinners by the time we got out the door. It's just true. It's just true. Think about that. Think about that. So God is far more concerned with your obedience. He wants obedience from you. He wants a relationship with you. This demon-possessed guy apparently had a past, but it didn't seem to bother Jesus. Think about that. It didn't bother Jesus. Notice also that the scene got intense really fast. You never know when you're going to have an opportunity to share, so you better be ready at all times. Amen? Be ready at all times. So we're going to look at Luke. We're going to jump over to Luke. Chapter 8, 28 and 29. It says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirits to come out of this man. Many times it has seized him. And through he was, even though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chains and had been driven by the demons into a solitary place. Notice the man's question. What do you want with me? What do you want with me? You ever ask Jesus that question as a Christian? What do you want with me? He has a plan for you. He has something for you. He, fu he fully expected Jesus to do something horribly to him. Or he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have said, don't, don't. He expected something horrible to him. The man expects some type of torture. Why? Because he's been tortured. I don't know how long, but I'm guessing for a long time he's been tortured. Because that's all he's ever known. Or maybe that's all he can remember because it's been so long. Okay? He was often in chains. Okay? He was bound. He couldn't go to town. Like you or I could move around and go into a town. He couldn't do that. He couldn't do that. He didn't put himself in those chains. People he knew or people in his community put him in those chains. Okay? They passed a lot of judgment on him. Think about that. Placed, posted a lot, a lot of judgment. They chained him in a cemetery. I don't know about y'all, but cemeteries are kind of scary enough. Especially if you, you know, ever lived by one, you had to walk by one at night. I couldn't imagine walking by a cemetery at night with a demon-possessed guy chained up in it. <laughs> you know, I'm guessing people probably went a long way out of their way in the evenings to go around the cemetery. So just think about that. They put him out there among the dead. Okay? That's where you take the dead people. What kind of message was it sending to this man if you chain him up where the dead are? Makes you kind of wonder. Go ahead and hurry up and die. Okay? Nobody wants you no more. Think about that. His family probably had something to do with it. They were probably involved in some way. How much more hurting can that be when your family won't even reach out and help you? Okay? He was isolated. He had fear. He had rejection. But he asked Jesus, what do you want with me? This man has already prepared for the worst. But look how Jesus responds to him. In 830, Luke 830, Jesus asked him, 
What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons have gone into him. You ever walked up to somebody and just said, hey man, what's your name? Starts a conversation. They should at least know it. They should get that question right. Right? This man can't even say his name. Think about it. His name's not Legion for y'all. That's not his name. Okay? He asked, what's your name? Notice the man was so overpowered by these demons. He couldn't speak his name. He couldn't speak his name. It makes me wonder, when was the last time he actually heard his name called? Think about it. When was the last name he heard his name? But he called himself Legion. Can someone be so hopeless, helpless, lost, so separated from their identity that they don't even know their name? You know, that they've been labeled basically ugly, worthless, alone, evil. Think about it. Luke 8, 32 and 33 says, A large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. It's a lot of bacon it just went off down there, okay? It's a lot of bacon. It's a lot of bacon that went off. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but think about this. The demons even begged Jesus to do something with them. And maybe God wants you to use you to that opportunity to use you to go speak life into somebody. So the demons in their life, the situation in their life can change. And whatever's been going on from that point forward dies. You ever think about that? It dies. Because that's what happened to this man. His problems, his demons, they drowned. They died. They were no more. Because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus spoke in a, spoke. Words are powerful, right? Y'all agree with that? Life and death's in the tongue. It's true. It's true. Anything apart from Jesus, think about this, leads to death, right? And let's just be honest. If we're in Christ, this mortal body will die, but my spirit will live forever. Amen? It will. It will. It will. The man gets to see right in front of him where the voices in his head were leading him the whole time. And that was to death. Think about that. That was to death. Maybe Jesus wants to use you to help somebody live a new life. To live a new life. The truth is Satan hates you. Okay, Satan's not your friend. Okay, think about that. He's not your friend. He's not their friend. Okay? And he has horrible plans for your life. He wants to chain you up in a cemetery. He wants to put voices in your head. Think about that. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to its fullest. Amen? That's what Jesus has come to do. 
That's part of our job is to help Jesus fulfill that, to take that to the world and tell them, hey, this is why Jesus has come. And this is why the devil has come. So they understand the difference because there's a huge difference. It's black and white difference, okay? It's one side of the railroad tracks versus the other side of the railroad tracks. It's heaven versus hell, okay? And our job is to empty hell out and fill up heaven. Amen? So the man asked the question, Jesus, what do you want with me? What's Jesus asking? Hey, I want to know your name. First thing he asked him, what's your name? Pretty simple, like I said. And then he says, I want to help you. I want to help you. Let me show you what I can do. Show people what Jesus has done for you so Jesus can do for them. Amen? Think about it. Everyone else wants to bind him and keep him away. Right? But Jesus came to free him. Okay? Hopefully you're sitting here today and Jesus has freed you from something, whatever your past was. Okay? Or he's helping you grow into something even greater. Okay? Because not all of us, let's just be honest, not all of us lived in a horrible past. Okay? I get that. But he wants better for you. He wants better for you. He wants better. It wasn't just a herd of pigs drowning. It was somebody's livelihood at the bottom of the sea. Think about it. It was somebody's demons dying. Somebody's demons were dying. To this man's life, to Jesus, his life was a big deal. Your life to Jesus is a big deal. Okay, The way you live your life is a big deal to Jesus. Okay, The way you represent Jesus to somebody else is a big deal. Amen, it is. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, even if it's not a popular decision. Y'all ever been in that situation? I mean, I've talked to people and I know there was nothing between here and there because what I said went in here and comes straight out there. All I can do is pray for those folks. That's all you can do is pray for them. And hopefully after the 15th, 16th, 17th time, Somebody else comes. They keep water in that seed. They keep water in that seed. And it starts to take root. It starts to grow. Luke 8, 34 and 35 says, when those, tending, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demon had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid that kind of blows my mind a little bit they were afraid they're missing the whole big picture here this man that they would take and chain in a cemetery made live there is now whole if you will okay made whole and these folks are afraid now this would be a great time to start praising for this man on what happened. Amen? So, I didn't read it, but if you was to look in eight, Luke 8, 27, remember this whole scene started from a naked crazy dude. Okay? That's why it all started, naked crazy dude. 
A lot of us, if we saw the naked crazy dude running around, we'd probably call the cops. Right? We'd probably be like, that guy's messed up. Not for me. It's probably just true. He probably would. Okay? Got a little indecent exposure going on. Okay? If he was running down South Main in town, we'd probably be calling the cops. Right? We would. We would. You know, I'm not saying if you're in that situation, you're supposed to run up and hug the dude. Okay? I'm not saying that. But look what Jesus did for him. Look what Jesus did for him, you know? Jesus saw this man differently. He saw him differently. Okay? The man didn't have any clothes, but now he does because it says he's clothes. Where'd he get them? I don't know. It doesn't say. You know, I don't know if Jesus had an extra, extra piece of garment or disciples showed up with some. I don't know, but now he's got clothes. Now he's in his right mind. He's having a conversation with Jesus. Okay? He's having a conversation. He cared about the guy's reputation. So he clothed him. He clothed him and how people saw him. You know, the guy's question was when he seen him is, what do you want with me? I want to know your name. I want to help you. I want to save you. I want something better for you. There is something better for you. There's a better life for you. That doesn't involve you living in a cemetery naked and being crazy. There's something better. There's something better. I want a relationship with you. As this man said at Jesus' feet, what do you think they talked about? Think about it. What do you think they talked about? You know, it's a great question to ask sometimes when you're reading the Bible and there's kind of the unknown. You know, there's kind of the unknown. You ever let your mind wander? I wonder what they talked about. What would I talk about if I got to sit at the feet of Jesus? You know, what would you talk about? What would you ask him? You know, what would that conversation be like? You know, maybe the guy asked, so who are you? And what just happened? Because think about it. The demons in this man knew the name of Jesus. The demons knew the name of Jesus. But did the man know the name of Jesus? Think about it. Did he? I don't know. He does now, though, and I'm for sure he knows right now at this point, he knows who Jesus is. He knows who Jesus is. Luke 8, 36, 37 says, Those who have seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region Ask Jesus to leave. Okay. Great. Appreciate it. He was kind of our sideshow. We'd come out here. We'd have some fun. Um, you took that away. We need you to go now. I, I don't know how that conversation goes, honestly. I don't know. But you cannot... Those people had to realize that a miracle just took place. They cannot deny it, that it took place. Okay. It says they asked him to leave because they were over, they overcome with fear. So what's Jesus do? Gets in his boat and he leaves. 
And I think sometimes we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Because the last thing I want Jesus to ever do is leave. Is leave. Is leave. You know, it's kind of crazy on a couple levels. You know, first the people there, there were not ready. They were not ready to see Jesus do miracles. They weren't ready to, to know who Jesus was. They weren't ready for a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus didn't try to reason with them. Doesn't say Jesus tried to persuade them. Doesn't say Jesus tried to perform another miracle. Doesn't say Jesus raised the pigs out and threw them back up on the, on the shore. It just says he got in his boat and he left. He just basically said, okay, peace, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Think about this, because here's kind of the crazy thing when you think about this. And this is what you really do, hope you, you take from this, is Jesus came all the way to the other side of the lake for one man. And you have to realize this. Back in those days, they didn't have motors. So I don't know how long the trip took or how much rowing somebody had to do or moving the sails around or whatever it took to get over there. But it just wasn't like he hopped in the car, started the motor, and drove over there real quick. Okay? It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. He went over there for the one guy. If you read the passage before this one, you'll find out that this is where basically his disciples were out on the, on the water and they almost died. Or they thought they were going to die. Okay? Until Jesus said, okay, hold on. Okay? So think about that. So they thought they were going to die in a storm. Jesus says, no, we're going to keep going over here. They land there. One guy. All right, get in the boat. Let's go. I mean, you got to be wondering. What in the world is going on, Jesus? Right? Think about it. Because they're probably thinking, huh, it's a lot of trouble, Jesus. It's a lot of trouble. You know, we come all this way for one guy, that's it. One and done. Right? One and done. But Jesus believed this one demon-possessed guy was worth it. You are worth it. Okay? The person Jesus puts in your path at some point is worth it. You might not think so. You might look at that person and say, Lord, they're just not getting it. Keep giving it to them. As long as they'll stand there, as long as they'll keep coming back, you keep giving it to them. Keep giving them the gospel. Keep giving them your testimony. Keep giving them why you love Jesus. Okay? Because somebody else may not do it. Somebody else may not do it. Okay? You know, the person you've been working up the nerve to start up a spiritual conversation. And I'm not talking about you have to quote the Bible to them. Because I truly believe we'll probably reach more people in the beginning by just being true to them. Being yourself. Letting them know, hey, this is where I came from. Okay? That person is worth it. They're worth it. Luke 8, 38, 39 says, The man from whom the demon had gone had out begged to go with him. He begged him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all the town how much Jesus had done for him. So think about this. Jesus goes all the way across. 
on a boat for this one man. Right? Heals, cast out a few demons for this, on this one man. One man begs Jesus. He begs him. Let me get in the boat. I don't have nothing here. And what's Jesus do? Might seem kind of pretty cold. Jesus says, no, you can't go with me. You can't go. You have to stay. This man has a real bad reputation. Okay? Imagine this. And some of y'all might have been there before. Maybe not with a legion of demons in you. But maybe you're, you're past. Maybe once you got saved. Maybe once God got a hold of you. You had to walk back into your town. Where you come from. And people had to see you there. People in his town. You think he was the talk of town? Oh, he was the talk of town. He was the talk of town, right? I mean, think about this man. I mean, they probably talked about this man for years to come. Okay? How many of you guys got daughters? All right? Got some daughters. I got a daughter. Now, I'm hoping at some point some guy's going to come and ask my daughter's hand in marriage, right? So let's just say a couple years down the road, this man shows up at your doorsteps. Knocks on your door and says, hey, I'd like to marry your daughter. He's got a past. He's got a past. I promise you, he was talked about for a long time in that town. That dad, if you will, humor me, is going to remember that guy's past. Be like, no, I don't know about that. You're the guy in the cemetery. You're the guy running around half naked. Okay, yelling, screaming. Uh-uh, you're not my daughter. But should we be that way? Was God that way with us? Or did he forget? Once we took him serious, he got a hold of us, wiped it clean. Think about it. Think about it. So, you know, he just didn't reject the guy. It's not totally accurate. He sent him away. He sent him away. Just think about it. This guy's been a Christian for about five and a half minutes. Doesn't have no training. Doesn't have a Bible. But Jesus gives him a mission. He gives him a mission. Return home and tell as many people and tell them how much God has done for you. That's all the guy had to go on. He didn't have the Bible. That's all he had to go on. Right? I mean, I take that to go tell your family that has rejected you. Go maybe tell people that used to be your friends that now rejected you. Go tell those people who chained you in the cemetery what God has done for you. Because those people can't deny that there was a change in that man's life. Can't deny that something had happened to him. So he went and he did that. He did Jesus' instructions, okay, all over the region. The area was called Decapolis, because that place was made up of 10 cities, okay, and that were all together. I'm picturing like Dallas, Fort Worth, okay, you got like 
a hundred little cities all wrapped around into one place, right? So he went all over the place and told people how much Jesus had done for him. So think about this, okay? One person. Mark 7.31 says, Jesus left the vicinity and he went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and he went into the region of Decapolis. So Jesus went back to this area. Okay? Jesus went back. And so if you read in Mark 8, that is where the feeding of the 4,000 took place. The feeding of the 4,000 took place in that same region, that same area. And so if you look at that, you can't wonder what kind of impact did that guy have going around, telling his story, telling his testimony about what Jesus had done. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows back up on the shoreline. So now people may have heard the name of Jesus. Now people's curiosity may have gotten up about Jesus. And so, you know, they talk about the 4,000, and then you talk about the 4,000, you talk about the women and children that may have been there. Then you're getting into 12, 15,000. Who knows the exact number, okay? What was the difference? What was the difference? Why so many people? Was it because of one man? Because it wasn't because Jesus sailed all the way across the sea for one man. Spent, I don't know, it doesn't say how long he spent. I'm pretty sure Jesus can speak a few words and it's done. So I'm guessing he didn't spend, you know, a half a day there. I don't know. But think about that. Think about that. One man. The former demon-possessed guy paves the way for Jesus to come back in that region. You never know that one person that you talk to, that one person that says, God, here I am, use me. What will happen? What will change a community? What will change a region? What will change a state? What will change a country? Because of one person. One person. You know, because one person obeyed and did what Jesus called them to do and told them to do. Go, go, go. And with that guy, it didn't seem to matter. Think about it. What's he got to lose? He just got his entire life back. He got his entire life back. A life that he may have forgotten about. A life that he may be so long, he didn't know how to, what to do. But he knew Jesus gave him one mission. One mission. Like I said, you never know the impact God wants to, to work through you. To work through you. Okay? Jesus took the most craziest, most insecure guy and used him to start a revival. Man, it'd be awesome. 500 people showed up here one day because of one person. That'd be awesome. It would be awesome. It would be awesome because somebody went and talked to somebody, changed the community. Changed the community. Changed the way Weatherford looks. Changed the way Weatherford thinks. Changed the way Weatherford acts. Think about that. You know, some people will be like, ah, I can't do that. You're right. You can't. Not by yourself. Not by yourself. I'm shy. I don't want to go talk to people. You know, it's hard to share what God has done. Just don't have the words. You're probably right. You don't. You don't. 
You know, you can come up with every excuse you want to until you truly allow God to use you. And let Him give you the words. Let Him guide you. Let the Holy Spirit bubble up inside of you. And if you'll do that, you'll be amazed because I'm amazed all the time. Because everybody knows me, just knows I'm a simple country boy. And there's words in the Bible I can't even pronounce. Okay, I can't. I'll butcher them sometimes. People laugh at me. That's okay. That's all right. It is. But God has a mission for me. God has a mission for you. Okay, God has a mission for this church. Okay? And I'm excited. You know, there's a lot of people that didn't think we were going to last a year. We're rolling. And we're going to keep rolling. Okay? We're going to keep rolling. Y'all keep praying for us. If you haven't prayed for us, start praying for us. Okay? Start praying for us. You know? So let me ask you. Are you known for running around your local cemetery and your neighborhood naked? I hope not. I hope not. Has anyone ever chained you up because you were so out of control? If not, then you have far less to overcome than this guy in the Bible. Think about that. Think about it. You can come up with all the excuses you want to, but I don't think any of them will come to this kind of degree of craziness, okay? Craziness. Okay? This is one of the best spiritual waking stories in the Bible. Okay, so when you say, I can't remember this, you can. If you let the Lord work through you, if you let God use you, okay, if you'll just stop saying, I can't and say, God, here I am. Use me. Amen.